0: Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to the bloody awesome movie podcast. My name is Matt Hudson, uh, and joining me, as ever, from across the pond, he's the statesman to my Kingsman, it's John Burke. How are you, sir? I'm doing quite well, Matt. Uh, How is it over there in the UK? It is doing well over here in the UK. I had to remember, are you the statesman? Are you John Burke? Who am I? For a minute, then I totally lost my way. However, I think we managed to flex it quite nicely there, but um yes keeping the uk safe and well in these traveling times uh and would like to extend that i hope everybody out there is keeping safe and well in these traveling times but
1: uh, how about yourself sir are you keeping florida well are you well i i'm all of the above uh you know we're doing our thing out here in florida being wild and crazy and fun and adventurous and dangerous and who knows but yeah I'm i'm doing my thing
0: what about gift cards you tried purchasing any of those recently
1: no, no. Uh, no. You know what, Voodoo? Um, I am a, uh, avid shopper of digital films, uh, probably too much because it is, it's so easy to, to click, you know, you just like click and then it's there. Um, and, uh, voodoo's got right now if you follow i don't know if you have this in the uk but we have this app called slick deals here in the states uh,
0: uh, we have probably have some kind of version of it
1: i'm sure uh, it, it, it just alerts you to online deals and you can kind of uh, if you make an account you can kind of frame it so it only gives you uh, notifications for things you actually might want to buy and mm-hmm. not just every single thing that goes on sale and there's a promotion going on right now on voodoo where you can buy a gift card and you get 20 off if you spend 50 dollars or more so Basically, if you buy a $50 gift card, you get it for $40 cash. So you get $10 free. I buy a lot of movies, so this is a good opportunity uh, to do that, right? Like, So I'm like, cool, I'm going to get a mm-hmm. discount and get some uh, fr- some free movie money. And twice now, after trying to purchase it, it, the purchase goes through, but then I immediately get a follow-up email that they've canceled the purchase, returned the money, and... And I don't understand why I don't know what I'm doing wrong. This is not like a gimmick. This is literally, I had an email from voodoo earlier <laughs> and then I later got an alert from slick deals. And that was the second alert. I was like, you know what? This actually seems like a pretty good idea. 20% is not an insignificant amount of a discount. You know, 20% pretty good. Usually you'll see things like 10% off or whatever. So getting a, a $50 gift card at 20% off is a good deal, but it won't let me do it. So I'm a little frustrated. Uh, that just happened before, um, the episode i'm hoping to hear from voodoo to figure out why i can't make this purchase that again they are promoting they are emailing out and i'm just like i don't know what i'm doing wrong um i i shop at voodoo all the like way too frequently it is a regular place that i visit to buy movies um it is my preferred location for buying digital films um i like that it is not you know sunk into like if you buy movies on apple you're stuck with apple like it has to be apple outside of the movies anywhere where voodoo like you can watch on almost any device like there's almost no no uh lack of support when it comes to voodoo but uh, uh, but yeah H- how about you matt
0: well i was gonna say imagine not re- realizing the name john birkin thinking hold on that's that fella from the Bamp." let's give him 30 percent off you know i'm pretty disgusted by voodoo in that sense but yeah i mean <laughs> we spoke about it off air it's bonkers hopefully by the time we've we've sorted we've sorted this show out hopefully voodoo have sorted themselves out and are able to give you what you are quite willing to give their money for so uh such as such as life voodoo sort it out um the Bamp. then if you're listening for the first time hi. hope you enjoy what you're about to hear uh, and if you do we would uh like to extend the invitation to drop five star ratings or reviews wherever you're listening to this show uh, a five star review or rating really helps the show it gets more people listening, and uh, we we enjoy seeing them as well. Let's let's be frank and honest about it. So, if you have a spare thirty seconds, John, a five star review wouldn't be a bad option, would it?
1: No, it would help us greatly. Um, we've seen some pretty uh, big influxes of our listenership, and we're so grateful uh, to have all of you. Um, we just want to have more of you, if possible. So, if you would <laughs> take a minute. And, um, you know, give us that rating again, if assuming you're enjoying the show, we're not asking you to lie or just assuming that if you're listening again, uh, you must like us enough that you could take a minute and, and give us a review, um, especially on Apple or Spotify, like anywhere is great, but those are definitely the two big, uh, providers. Um, so if you, if you can spare just a few moments, that would help tremendously.
0: Yeah. And if you don't like it, shh, just, just just click away. And move along. Uh, But we certainly hope you do. And on the BAMP, we take the the biggest or most interesting release of the week, whether it's theatrical or streaming. And on our main episode, we have a non-spoiler review, thoughts and opinions of that film. So this week, we are looking at Turning Red, which is directed by Domi Shi, also written by Domi Shi, alongside Julia Cho, and the story by Sarah Stryker. Its stars or the voice acting talent includes Rosalie Chiang, Sandra Oh, Ava Morse, Hyan Park, Matrayi, Ramakrishnan, and Orion Lee. Uh, again, ah. no spoilers. I Come on, dude. Well, usually John stumbles on that. And I, I thought I've got to try and get one up here somehow. Um, we don't, again, no spoilers, but we do give you the synopsis, which is a 13 year old girl named May Lee turns into a giant red panda. Whenever she gets too excited, uh, I feel that, well, as we go into this, there may be slightly more to the synopsis than just that, but um, how's it doing critically and with the fans? Rotten Tomatoes currently has the critic score at 95%. Metascore is 85. Wow. IMDb user score 7.6 and Letterboxd has 3.8 out of 5 as their rating. Some very impressive s- scores a- and the user scores are high as well. Where can you see this film? Well, sadly only on disney plus other than a select handful of theaters across the world it there, it's, it's had a few cinemas in the united kingdom i know it's had a few in the united states as well and in other territories but it's a disney plus streaming movie this time which uh the last few have gone to disney plus in terms of the pixar films or disney animation uh i think i'm thinking i'm looking at you soul and luca you know other other yeah. films which you know Disney would uh, push to the forefront and say, "Look how diverse we are." But, but we're just going to put on Disney Plus. Okay, fine. However, at the same time, Disney Plus, it, uh, Disney Plus exists for as another avenue for pushing your product. So you know, there's every kind of every coin has two sides, I guess. But uh, turning red, then again, no spoilers for this film. What did I think about Turning Red? I thought it was pretty good. I quite like Turning Red an awful lot. I'm going to use that deadly phrase now. This, this isn't in the top tier, the top five or ten maybe Pixar films for me, but it's a very, very, very good film nonetheless. I think what the film deals with is actually better than the film itself, if I could be so bold. I think it's uh, first and foremost, this is a coming of age movie. It's not necessarily about a kid who gets excited and turns into a panda. That is a huge part of the film but in itself is a coming of age movie, but it focuses on a 13 year old girl called may who, who is experiencing changes in, in her life. You know, her mother uh, is already worried that she's becoming a woman. So she's panicking in that sense. Uh, And it deals with everything that a 13 year old girl probably would feel Uh, puberty, relationship, uh, friendships to finding yourself. Um, Plus also having a couple of crushes on boy bands as well. You know, it, it deals with a lot of heavy subjects for people of that age. And to be fair, it's relatable for people of all ages, really. But so there's, there's, there's a lot here, you know, there's an awful lot here. There's sadly still taboo subjects like a period sex, um, sex education, and things like that. They deal with that here in this Pixar film which I think is, I, I hate having to say it's applaudable and commendable, but you don't really see it that often. And when you do, to me, it's almost undercut. Um, I'm thinking of films like maybe Lady Bird. I don't know that this film deals with these subjects in a different way. And for me, actually a better way in a potentially more relatable way for the target audience that, yes i'm also aware that people online have said they can't relate to this film it's too niche yeah. if you're not one of the if, if you don't see yourself in this film then it's not for you oh it sucks go outside cut touch some grass you know breathe some air in and or, or, or just get lost because that's come off it i'm not having any of that especially when you consider some of the other films released this year i mean i, I don't relate to batman but i really liked it um so yeah the film wait itself, wait wait
1: wait, wait. You oh, don't oh, oh here we go here we go with a billionaire playboy who yeah, i then mean come on like a yeah. costume vigilante what the hell man i suppose like, yeah, not? I, mean,
0: I am vengeance i guess when i think about it um but
1: yeah there you go. Uh, yeah do yourself take, short
0: but i take that back bruce yeah no I, I i yeah i think this film was great i don't think this film is uh overall i think it's a perfect film uh but i think it's I think it's a very good one. There's some good fun moments in it. There's some nice cringy, awkward moments based on what's happening in the film. Uh, May's friends are also really, really cool. They really, really help flesh this story out. Uh, Miriam, Priya and Abby are the name of the friends and her mo- and May's mother Ming voiced by the fantastic Sandra Oh is, you know she is because she's almost cast as the villain of the film. This is not a spoiler? I mean, that's almost how she's placed. But again, it's that kind of from a certain point of view. Look at it. It's Put yourself in her shoes, and uh, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners will, you know, as parents will, will have been. So John would have been. We will know what it's all about as well. So there is that relatability on that side as well. But I think I think what turning red is actually you know the message it's saying is. It's so 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 important, and I think kids watching this can get an awful lot about that. It isn't just you know the themes of menstruation, puberty. Uh, it's it is also being accepting who you are. If you are that kind of strange, quirky kid, as they call themselves in the film, own that. You know, don't don't conform because the world tells you to. You know, if if you want to be outspoken even to your parents, that's what happens when you're a teenager. Uh, and as the internet has said. So many other Disney films have a hero or heroine who does exactly that. You know, it's not a new thing, but it's done so well. It's a really nice, I think it's a really uh, nice take on Chinese culture as well. It's set in Toronto, but it's uh, but it's heavily obviously influenced by Chinese culture. We see that with May's family. Uh, and when, when we find out more about her family and the reasons why maybe she turns into this panda, you know, it's, it's strange, but sometimes when films like this get strange, that's where they work best. And, uh, it, it's got some powerful moments, especially in that familial aspect. And Hey, the red panda is fun. The way they deal with that, it's fun. The way they weaponize the, the fact that she's a panda to get th- certain things that they want as teens is very clever. You know, they, they, they yeah. utilize modern, uh, modern way, ways of life and ways of thinking. So, Whilst I I sat there, whilst I enjoyed this film an awful lot, if you're going to ask me, is it top 10 Pixar? No, but it might be 11 or 12. I had a good time with this film. I think it's really good. Uh, Domi, she, really glad to see. uh, For those who don't know, she won the Academy Award for BOW in 2019 for the Best Animated Short Film. And that was fantastic. So she's now, I think John was saying, you know, the first solo female director from Pixar. Hopefully she gets... Uh, Disney Animation. At which, oh man! After all these years, hopefully, hopefully she gets many more. Hopefully, we see many more so solo female directors. Because if this is what we can get, don't give me that niche crap. This is a film for everyone, and it's as it is has a message which has to be heard. It will resonate louder with certain with certain uh, people more than others. Maybe, maybe so, but that doesn't mean it can't be enjoyed. Maybe you know, maybe the one of the messages prevalent messages in this film isn't something that I've fully had to understand but that, that doesn't mean that i can't uh, empathize and get on board with this film when the message it's saying so i think it's a very very important i think it's a more important film is getting credit for and i had a good time with this john what did you think about turning red
1: so i am gonna start by talking about the thing you alluded to so there was a review posted um online that uh basically said this film was unrelatable because it was about an asian girl in canada and uh I was really stunned to hear that someone could have had that take. And Mm -hmm. what was, uh, I heard about it first on the slash film podcast, a uh, podcast that I listen to almost weekly. Um, and they were just talking about the controversy and I was like listening to that. And I, because of our critic status, sometimes we get to see things early. So I got to see turning Red about a week before everybody else. Um, and I wrote my review the same night I watched it, which I don't always do, but I did that night. And so I'm listening to like the criticism and I'm like, I feel like my review is a complete counter to that mm-hmm. without knowing I was countering that, you know, like, and I, so I went to my review now and I don't usually read from my own writing. And, I, and a lot of times I don't write a review for something we're doing on the podcast, but um, uh, I wrote this in my conclusion paragraph, if you will, um, these personal stories about a culture that many cannot have known exactly as we are not all born a Chinese girl who immigrated to Toronto, has such an important universality to them. I hope to see more films like this. Uh, like just in and of itself, we see this coming-of-age story that everyone can relate to. You know, Even yeah. if, again, yeah. the specifics aren't going to apply, uh, especially as a guy, I did not get my period. So th- that element is not lost on me, but I can't say, there I am. But I also can see, ah... I like seeing a story that I can't know. I had no way of knowing this story. Um, That's one of the things I love about film, and uh, Ebert, known, there's a quote about uh, movies are empathy machines, and that is 100% how I view film and how I teach film, that it's a window to the world. We can see things that we would never have the opportunity to see otherwise, because we can literally become someone else on screen and see through their eyes and see through their perspective. And we need more stories like this because if we only have white male stories as our protagonists and as our heroes, it is a very limited perspective and experience that we have had of the world. That said, these specific things do have themes that run into all of these stories. Coming-of-age stories have a certain technique to them. Uh, we get the friend groups. And what I loved about this film so much was I thought every character had so much depth even if they were subtle in their their depth they had agency they had a purpose they existed um within reason you could tell they were based on probably actual friends of hers and if not she's just a tremendously talented writer who was able to craft characters who have some essence to them i vote both Uh, same um and i think the mother daughter relationship is again something i can't connect to but i definitely i mean as a I can't say that's my life, but Mm -hmm. I can totally connect to it. I felt um, so much of the drama of her trying to be the daughter she believes her parents want her to be, but also trying to be herself and and that struggle of finding how do you balance that? How can you be both things? Um, How can you be the ideal daughter if the things that you yourself want to pursue seem to be in direct opposition to that? Um, I can relate to that, you know, this mm-hmm. idea of what what we're expected to be versus what we want to be. And there's so much of that in this film, um, even just within the panda being this kind of being comfortable with the, your own skin. Like it's a part of her is a, mm-hmm. an essence that she she realizes as the, the journey goes. And we are spoiler free here, but that's I don't feel like that's a spoiler at all. The movie, if you watch the trailer, the she literally turns into a panda. It's it's Teen Wolf. Yes, it's more fun. Like, uh, not even necessarily more fun. I love Teen Wolf. Michael J. Fox. It's one of a uh, favorite '80s movie of mine. Um, but this is like a, it's like a modern take on Teen Wolf, and um, there's a lot of cool elements to it. Uh, the look of this film. It's 2D animation, but I, I love the way it looks. I think some of the, um, I actually noticed. I'm going to call it camera choices, although animation obviously operates differently because you're drawing (laughs) to scale how you would film it. But um, they utilize the, uh, the locked in camera where uh, we're looking at the, the Panda as she's like running through the hallway and the, the world behind her is chaotic and panicked while she is like locked in focus. Yeah. Uh, That works really, really well for those moments. And to see that in animation is really cool. I like seeing techniques we see in, in movies with cameras applied to animation, which Pixar has always been kind of at the, the forefront of. Um, and just the overall look of this film, like I, I didn't used to take the time to appreciate the actual drawings and animation, whether it's computer or hand drawn. Um, but over the last, you know, six years, I've really watched a lot more animated films and mm-hmm. have come to appreciate when something just looks so much better than some others. Like, yeah, Pixar has consistently, especially if you have, revisited early pixar it looked great at the time but now in hindsight like toy story looks terrible compared to toy story 4 that looks like real life somehow you know
0: uh, so it looks photo realistic at times
1: yeah like that opening sequence of toy story 4 where it's raining looks like we're just outside <laughs> filming something
0: every um, fiber is captured whether it's hair uh, material it, it's unbelievable
1: it and pixar is increasingly getting better at that um so I uh really really um enjoyed this film. I I am a Pixar fan. There there are a few Pixar films that haven't connected with me. Uh this one did connect emotionally. Um I I thought it was super fun. I love so much of the friendship aspect of this film and and there's a music aspect. It's not quite the way I would normally present it, but I I totally uh get the, there's this cultural thing of like the music that you love as a teenager and your parents just not getting it, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. that's inherent. And I, I like so much of that stuff. And I do also often enjoy a coming of age story. Um, Whether we're talking teenage, uh, like coming from a kid to a teenager or a teenager to an adult or midlife crisis stories. Like I often find Mm -hmm. those very, very compelling. And this movie just worked on all of those levels. And I I am mad at Disney as much as I I'm so grateful that I get to see these things so quickly with Disney plus. um, I am a subscriber to Disney plus. I like seeing movies in theaters and I'm looking at the weekend that this came out. My theater put Lego movie back in the theater because nothing came out this weekend. And it wasn't like a one time, like on Saturday we're showing Lego movie. It's been in the theater two showings a day all week. For what? Like, there's no reason to have the Lego movie playing right now. And no, I love the Lego movie, but there isn't, like, a new sequel coming out where they're trying to, like, hey, people will want to see this. There was just literally nothing new came out last weekend that they just brought Lego movie back. Like, why are you not putting Pixar films on the big screen? Like, I understood with with Luca, because it was still, like, middle of the pandemic. There was still a lot of the debate. Theaters weren't really, like, full capacity yet. But right now even if maybe we shouldn't be going, the world is mostly treating it like COVID's over.
0: Yeah. I can't argue that whether it's true or not.
1: Right. You're not it, wrong. That So other, other movies are being released now. So like to not release this movie on a big screen is really bad. In my opinion, like uh, again, especially because the last couple of Disney animated films have been released, but all three Pixar films have just been streaming. And if you recall, the difference with the other Disney films, they did do same day Disney Plus, but you had to rent the movie, yeah, for like it was thirty bucks plus or whatever. Yeah, so you didn't just get it included, but all of the Pixar movies have been just given to us. Again, grateful. I'm not asking that they take more of my money, but it does feel like Disney's like drawing a line in the sand of the of like Pixar is less than, and let's be real, Pixar is better than almost everything yeah. disney has done so um and much more consistent like even the worst pixar movies are mostly better than some of the worst disney movies like yeah. i don't think there's a bad pixar movie the ones that would be less than are going to be like the sequels uh i think cars the, 2 stands out as probably one of the weakest. Lot. Yeah. and then uh, th- uh, the the dinosaur one i forgot the good dinosaur the good dinosaur which i don't think is bad it's just not anywhere near the other pixar films i think in quality so as a studio I don't know what's happening. They,
0: they're unrivaled almost you know to, yes. i think as a for consistency and i mean every studio out there for consistency is fantastic uh, and and for disney to just it, now now that you've quantified it like that by saying that you know they could have released it in theaters, but instead they re-released the Lego movie, which is also I know it's not Disney but it's an animated film still um, you know, this film I mean this film has been, it's been playing at the El Capitan in Hollywood for a week Wow mm-hmm. it's been playing in some showcase cinemas in, in the uk in the, in the us I think it's actually it actually had a special screening a couple of weeks ago in London and the uk uh, before the premiere. In the states, yeah, but um, it, it, where in the world, in the territories, in the world where they don't get Disney Plus, of course, this is getting a theatrical release. But you do kind of wonder, you know, what are they not seeing? What, what are they kind of? What merits have they attributed to these films that they look at and think, yeah, that's not going to do well, that's not going to sell one. Well. Now, of course, everyone's going to come at this question with varying, varying, varying ideas, of which I'm not even going to attempt to get into but it does make, it doesn't really make sense why they would do that. Yes. You've got to, And I, I, from a business point of view, I will always look at it and say, yeah, they've got Disney, have got Disney plus it's doing very well. Yes. And I, they want to get as many subscribers as they want. And they want to show that you're, that if you're putting your money in, you are getting value back at every turn. I can't deny Disney plus is a fabulous streaming series. I'm get, I've been getting a lot more value out of it recently, but mm-hmm. I don't think it should come at the cost of a theatrical release. But and certainly not for Pixar. I think I know it's Bob Shapik now, Mr. Charisma. But I think you know, Bob Iger and those before would look at Bob Iger bought Pixar. I believe you'd look at the films and you think, well, you know they 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 bring us money. They're critically successful. They bring us Academy Awards. You know they give us critical and commercial success. Uh, I mean, this film and this film has also got just somebody you might not have heard of her Billie eilish i think her name is she's damn doing the, some of the damn soundtrack for this film yeah alongside I mean, Jonsson. Right. yeah phineas o'connell you've got ludwig Jonsson as well you know one of the hot cut up and coming if i can call him that he's an oscar winner composers this just you know this film has got so much going for it which would scream get this out there get eyes on this but something has held them back or whether it i don't know if they're not confident in the film i don't know if there's anything else shall we say behind the scenes or any other factors that we may have mentioned on this episode as to why they think, you know what, now we will we'll, we'll hold this one back. I don't know. It's, you know, m- yeah. m- maybe the numbers on Disney plus will be fantastic and it will kind of justify it in a way, but I don't know. I, I'm, I'm always a bit torn by some of these, whether right. or not I like the film because I like Luca yeah. wasn't the biggest fan of Luca, b- b- had that not been in a pandemic, I still would kind of think to myself now, it probably would have still been put on Disney plus And I don't know. I'm not entirely sure. I'm quite comfortable with that idea of, of what they're doing with Pixar, my friend.
1: Yeah. I just, I, I would prefer uh, all feature. Like I, I I'm good with the same day. Like if they want to put it in theaters and on Disney plus cool. Cause mm-hmm. then you get people the option. I know sure. theaters don't want that, but like last week, nothing came out why didn't this movie get a chance to to be, I mean, yes, Batman still out. Batman still going to have the dominating box office, but this is counter-programming to Batman. Yeah. This is family friendly, you mm-hmm. know, teenage animated film. It's going to have its own audience.
0: And I bet um, the cinemas would have liked to have the choice themselves to have put this on this week.
1: And again, that's why the only reason I can think why they picked the Lego movie at my local theater was to have some family friendly programming available. Yeah. Because Tap into Batman w- fine. Yeah, our county is not on spring break, but some counties are. So that's my assumption is that like theaters are kind of balancing. Like parents might want to take their kid to a, a matinee, but if there's no movie, but here's this great movie sitting right here, free on your TV. And again, I I want theaters to continue to exist, and so I am advocating partly for that, but also, um, box office is a sign of success. It's not the sign of success or yeah. quality, but it does give us some indication of people's interest and not giving that the opportunity. Cause the streaming stuff, the numbers just don't At we don't get those numbers the same way you see box no. office dollars. So there's a lot here that I just, I, I don't want this to be a trend because that the other question, do they start cutting the budget off of Pixar? Do they start, you know, letting oh. people go Does Pixar get phased out and it just become Disney animation. And maybe that's okay, but maybe it's not. And You know, we already have seen so much brand adaptation, um, by Disney that we're, we're seeing these changes into like, you know, we, we just got announced that Deadpool three is going to happen. Is it going to be like Deadpool one and two, or is it going to be like the Deadpool two PG 13 version that we got the once upon a Deadpool or whatever? Mm -hmm. Um, like we're, we're not sure. And so. I'd prefer they they keep these companies slightly separate, like let Lucasfilm make the star Wars stuff. Let Marvel make the Marvel stuff. Let Pixar do these animated films, but back them, put them in the theater. That's, that's my hope.
0: Yeah. And, and just my last point to play the devil's advocate kind of, or not even, or even just to clarify, certainly my position on this very show, um, I've said, and I believe John may have said as well, I don't want to speak for JB. I would never do that. Uh, that we've we've said you know may, maybe there's going to be a point where the studios where cinemas and the studios come together and and release the big tentpole films at the cinema the ones that are going to make the money for the theaters and quote unquote smaller films will get released on streaming services and maybe they get more eyes on them we've said that on this show this for me doesn't fall into that bracket because of what JB said it's Pixar this is Pixar you know consistently a superb. Films. I don't care what format they're in. Some of these, these are some of the best stories in recent years. Have come from this studio. The Mm -hmm. strides they've made for the for the for for the medium. The critic critic success have had the box office money. The the awards they've won. It doesn't make this. This doesn't seem like the kind of studio you want to suddenly start cutting the budget or limiting their uh, visibility for. So. There was that because we've said it before, you know, maybe they'll get to the point where Star Wars, Avengers, DC and all that avatar. That's what we see at cinemas and the rest is is spread out amongst streaming. This I don't think qualifies for that. Um, That's my last point, John. Do you disagree
1: with that or? No, I I think you said it very well
0: thank you my friend i could never I could never speak as uh, valiantly and as well as you my friend but i st- 'm i 'm getting there uh, but that 's our review of turning ready we 'll be back in a few days' time on Monday with a spoiler review where we you know go a little bit more into the story itself so let 's move on to our next segment, which we like to call Chuffed headlines. John and myself we take a pop culture headline from the week that caught our attention. And we bring it to the attention of everybody listening. So, John, oh, what have you gone for this week?
1: So Matt and I subscribe to a movie theater chain's uh, unlimited pass, basically, where we're able to go see the movies because we see at least one movie a week on Mm -hmm. average, assuming something comes out. Um, (laughs) Sorry, sorry. Um, Allowed. But uh, nothing came out last week. That's why I'm frustrated. Um, (laughs) But uh, the original movie pass if you will uh the i remember the first time i heard about it was probably like 2015 um a friend had already had movie pass before it was really really popular it was like 40 dollars, and you could only see like three movies a month or something like that it wasn't um it wasn't the great deal that it would become i think it was what like 2019 that movie pass becomes 10 dollars a month unlimited movies you could see only one movie a day but you could see a movie a day for an entire month for 10 bucks. So the price that you were paying at the time for Netflix, you could go to the theater for a movie pass blew up. Almost everyone I knew had a movie pass at that point. And as you might expect, they went bankrupt pretty quickly. I think most <laughs> of us listening to this show know this story, but um, they're trying to resurrect movie pass. Now, you, what you may not remember if you weren't one of the subscribers towards the end movie pass got real shady they were doing some very yeah. shady things they would lock you out of your account so you couldn't see a movie they were canceling accounts so if you were seeing too many movies like anything they could do to keep your money but also not let you see movies because every ticket that you bought with your movie pass they did have to pay for so you were paying 10 bucks and by let's say you saw 10 movies at ten dollars a ticket well they had to pay the difference. And so that means they paid $90 for just you. They were <laughs> hemorrhaging money. Um, they had almost no discounts from any of the chains either. Like they weren't getting the tickets at a low, lower price because it was a movie pass. Like most of the companies did not like movie pass. AMC was very anti movie pass. Well, the original founder of movie is back and he is trying to bring movie pass 2.0. Um, and I'm, I don't remember. I'm pulling up his name. Um, MoviePass CEO, uh, Stacy Spikes, um, is now back in the, at the helm. Uh, he, had, it, he had sold MoviePass to two different CEOs. If you want to read the whole article, I'm not going to get into all the details of the article. But the big change is when he was no longer with MoviePass, he had another idea called PreShow. Mm-hmm. And PreShow was building this facial recognition technology where you could watch ads and earn points. But the app would know if you were watching the ads Jesus. or not. So it would like basically if you if you looked away the ad would pause so you couldn't just hit play and walk away and (laughs) rack up points you had to actually watch the ads which I mean that seems fair but here's the problem to me in this article the interviewer asks him um, doesn't this seem dystopian doesn't this idea of this ad that knows whether you're watching or not seem dystopian and his response is what bothers me. His response was, we're already in dystopia. So So someone asks you, this feels like the Ghostbusters moment. If somebody asks you if this feels dystopian, (laughs) your answer should be no. And if (laughs) it's not, then it's not okay, right? Like if your answer is, we're already in dystopia, like hold up. That means you're saying, yes, it is a dystopian element, but we're already in hell. So why not? And that's not okay ever like that should be a major red flag everybody alert alert be mindful um the hope is that movie pass is going to come back with this pre-show technology built into it where you can earn points to pay for the movies or something it's, nothing is out completely with how what the subscription fee would be how the pre-show element works is it just bonus points or is it mandatory that you use it in order to see a movie like do you have to watch an ad before you're able to buy a ticket like i don't know there's not that level of detail in this yet, but the argument was like when movie pass existed, most movie chains didn't have a, uh, a subscription service, but now AMC has the Stubbs plus or whatever it's called. Um, Regal. And the, I forget the chain. That's the actual parent company. That's in the UK. Uh, what is, what is your uh, unlimited pass? Mine is Cineworld. So Cineworld owns Regal. So Regal here in the States, Cineworld over there, um, has their I, I love Regal Unlimited. I have had it since it opened. Uh, it was temporarily frozen as COVID stopped the theater from being open. But as soon as it reopened, I'm back with it and I use it all the time. And then uh, Cinemark has a, a a subscription service, but it's not good at all. Like it's pretty trash. But AMC and Regal's are legit. Like AMC, I think is three or four movies a month, but it's any one of their theaters. So IMAX and like Dolby are included with the same price. Uh, Regal, there's upcharges for that, but it's l- unlimited. You can see as many movies as mathematically possible in a day. Um, and you're good to go. So where is MoviePass going to fit in? And the argument in this article is that there's still like 50% of the, the chains don't have a subscription service. And so they could fit in there. But I'm like, yeah, okay. But AMC and Regal are like the two biggest chains. Like there's most, and at least for me, and I know I'm speaking only from my Florida area, but those are the two movie theaters that are the closest to me on multiple levels. Like even if I drove past one, the next theater that I'm going to come to is another one of those. So yeah. I can't see MoviePass having a market anymore, especially if I would assume AMC and Regal would not allow MoviePass to work because they have their own services. So you're really unless you live next to a theater that isn't one of those, you would not want movie pass in my eyes. So especially if it's going to be watching you and making you watch ads. So I don't know. It seems sketchy, Matt, what are your thoughts of movie pass coming back? Is it a good idea? Should it just stay dead?
0: Uh, I mean, the idea of anything which can help get bums in seats to watch more films in a theater is, is never going to be something I scoff or roll my eyes at. Um, as you mentioned, like, the unlimited card of which I hold and pay for monthly is a godsend an absolute godsend i, I oh, it's given me the opportunity to, to see films that m- maybe back in the day a couple of years ago i wouldn't necessarily have thought about seeing but hey why not i've got a free afternoon it's it's only going to cost me the uh, uh well <laughs> back in the day a few pounds to get there for fuel now probably uh, a mortgage but um, so it doesn't cost me anything to go and see it. I got my, I, I expanded my horizons. Got to see more things. Found some films I loved, some which I wasn't keen on, but at least I got to see them. You know, I'm, I'm always up for that. But, but this, you know, the idea of you know them kind of changing you know, changing tack somewhat and introducing this facial recognition uh, uh, option was well, not even an option. This facial recognition dynamic. Uh, which you can then earn earn based on what you're watching. I mean, yeah, it sounds you know it sounds great. It sounds futuristic. yeah. You, if you want more, then you then you have to indulge in what they're giving you. You know, okay, I I kind of see that uh, the benefits of that, but I'm with you there, man. I think this I think this sounds sketchy. I think this sounds a little bit shady because what? If, it, it, maybe maybe it's me getting into the uh, conspiracy theory thing, but you know if they mon- if they are able to do facial recognition and all that kind of stuff what else what, what are they doing with that data what else could it be used for and the the ceo or the or, or spike himself says you know maybe we we we've got to stop focusing on the facial recognition side of this and start talking about free tickets He's like, no 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 I'd, yeah. i don't think it's quite that easy. you know like, it, it's like we said about a couple of other things it, the whole dystopian thing. It's like no, no, we'll we'll focus on the bigger picture here, which is your your. We're already in dystopia, so you know, so screw it. We're gonna we're gonna do we're gonna do that. We're gonna piggyback on the back of this. That's not good. And then no, we I don't think we should fo- stop talking about the facial recognition. Talk about free tickets. That to me sounds very very shady. Where it's just dangling. Here's this freebie. In return, we want your soul. We <laughs> we want the most personal idea you can give us. Your face in return and. I don't know, man. I'm not sure of that. And every time I open this article, I see that awful picture of Mitch Lowe and Ted Farnsworth, the owners of Movie MoviePass, holding their cards outside AMC. I hate that picture. <laughs> it's already given me a negative vibe about those two. They they may be great, but God damn, I don't like that picture. But um, yeah, no, I'm I'm not a fan of this idea, genuinely. You know, I don't think it's... A, I think, fine, are they trying to push the boat and do something innovative? Yes, but I still don't like it and I wouldn't be, and, you know, it's not something if Cineworld said, uh, we're changing the terms and conditions in order for you to get unlimited tickets. We're going to need your facial, uh, identification and we're going to be monitoring what you watch. Screw that. <laughs> I'm off. I'm not. No, I don't think that's the way forward, my friend, but innovative. Yes. But I, I don't think we should look past what they want us to look past just yet.
1: Yeah. Okay, well, that's the movie pass. Uh, what did you find as an article this week? Uh, mine is not not necessarily any better,
0: but again, it, but it's something worth pointing out. Uh, this is an article from Screen Rant by Joseph Cumner, and the headline reads: "Only seven percent of 2021 movies featured more women than men." A study finds. So, um, and also, the study also found that there are fewer leading roles for women than in. 2020 the article is basically it basically says whilst we've seen a lot more of a push for greater representation and diversity across the board behind the camera and you know, we're getting a lot more uh women or marginalized people working as, as directors as crew on films the opportunities are there in front of the camera somehow in 2021 actually the figure, the we, we've regressed somewhat, despite there being such a huge push or belief that actually we're making great strides. 2021, as, as, as well as being an absolutely awful year anyway, has this uh, particular statistic, which I found uh, ex- extremely interesting. And if you were, if you add BIPOC inclusion, BIPOC inclusion, you, you look at the increase in Asian and Latina roles for women we think about it, there actually isn't really that many that's why we celebrate the fact that they're that they're out there because hey look we've got an asian woman leading this film we're still yeah. at that point where that's a big deal even though it's maybe one in 50 or one in 100 where that's actually the case when when you take those out of the equation you know roles for performers from those backgrounds dropped or equal to 2020 we're not getting we're not actually going any further here and um we're hoping we're looking It's Sorry, I'm not hoping to say, but we're looking, it's looking like Jane Campion is going to take home best director at the uh, Academy Awards for, uh, the power of the dog, which would be main. She is the third female to ever win that award. I believe uh, I'm right in saying, yep. Chloe uh, and Catherine Bigler. Catherine Bigler, That's right. Uh, so there, there's that, that's something to celebrate. And there, there is the argument to be heard as well, that of course, you know, as, as people will say, If you're the right person for the role, you're going to get the role. Uh, We are seeing now a change in that. That yeah, if you if you are the right person, but let's maybe widen the criteria for who the right person may be. We are seeing that, but I found it interesting to see that actually, you know, the figures have actually gone down. When in a time where actually this it's more of a celebratory tone in certain circles, where it actually looks like we're making strides, but in reality. We're still in the same position, JB.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, that's, it's such a, a push, um, to change it. You know, it's, there's so much, uh, I actually, so my, my student desks are aligned in groups of six, right? Yeah. And, um, a few years back I had a student who uh, is a very talented artist. She had drawn, um, little like placards for each desk. So like this group was the popcorn group and this was the theater nice. group and so on and so forth. So it's been a couple of years and I decided to redo it. And I was like, you know, it'd be a fun way to do it would be by director. Um, so I'd have like a famous director and each desk, instead of just being numbered would have a movie of that director nice. to like represent it. Um, so like I, I had the obvious, I'm going to always go Hitchcock. Hitchcock is like a must for me. And then I have Spielberg, another must for me. Um, so I started thinking and I wanted to have some diversity. I didn't just want to have all old white guys as the, the groups. Um, so I got Spike Lee whose films I, I adore and have seen most of. um. So like easy six, because uh, again, they're groups of six. I have to have at least six movies. And then I was like, okay, I want a, I want a female director. And I'm like, I need six. Yeah, here we go. I have to have six movies by that director. And there's a very short list of female directors that have six films to their name. Mm-hmm. Um, Jane Campion's one but her movies i'm like no one will be able to see like her first three films so they won't even really be six it would be like the piano um i can't put in the cut because it's, that's just it's a real <laughs> hard art um yeah.
0: considering you're the age I've of your been, students yes
1: yeah a big big fan of that movie i just i can't so i'm like okay camping won't work um zao only has three films and now four with the eternals i keep forgetting eternals uh but katherine biglow has what Three maybe no no she has much more because um, she, she starts yes yeah sorry. Uh, so she is who I went with I went with Bigelow because I was thinking Patty well, Jenkins
0: uh, is who I was thinking sorry
1: uh, Patty Jenkins only has it because she did TV for a while and That's and right. actually Campion also did uh, some some TV for a little bit um, in between uh, Bright Star and Power of the Dog but um there aren't a lot of female directors with more than six movies to their name and I'm sure there's more than what I've just listed here but there's not many. And so many, like think Greta Gerwig. We, she's a really well-known now female director, but she started as an actress. She's only got two movies under her belt. Yeah. Um, officially with her, just her, she did do, I think one with Noah, um, her significant other, uh, at one point, I think they're co-directed maybe. I forget which movie, but I think she's on a co-directing bill there, but she's it's, it's Ladybird and it's uh, little women right now. And that's it. Um,
0: Olivia Wilde is she's
1: done book smart. Wake
0: up. She's got, don't worry, darling coming out
1: yeah so we're seeing a push but that's to my point uh this seven percent is not surprising but it's it is moving forward it's just it takes a long time um Mm -hmm. you know and it shouldn't i don't it's it's a shame like we mentioned with turning red that you know the first disney animated film was 1937 with snow white jesus so almost 100 years ago, like, I know it's it's closer to 90, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's we're not far off from 100 years, and the first female-credited director, solo-credited director is, is here. Now. And if you want to go, well, then you're saying solo, so that means, that means a long time ago there was a co-director. Oh, yeah, a long time ago when Brave came out, mm-hmm. we had our first female co-directing credit on an animated film from Disney slash Pixar. So, yeah, you know, it's not been that long that we've started to see this push. And again, I'm not saying that men shouldn't have, you know, the the opportunities. I'm saying let's give more opportunities to filmmakers. Let's get more movies made. You know, we don't every movie doesn't have to be a hundred million dollar budget. There are some amazing films with very, very small budgets. On let's get some of these mid-level budget let's get these small personal stories made let's let it happen the equipment is so much more readily available than it used to be let's give more opportunity for more voices that's what i'm advocating i'm not saying silence a group i'm saying empower more let more people get to share their stories and share their visions and give them the means in which to do it um
0: this spot because- opportunity is the word you've, you've hit the nail on the head, my friend. It's not exactly, pu- it's not pushing one group of people out or saying, Well, you know, we did actually give this job to a man, we don't want that anymore. It needs to be a what nothing to do with that, nothing to do with that at all. It is, it is the opportunity, it's what it's wide, it's opening the doors, it's, it's, it's making sure that everybody gets their chance to tell their story or at least their chance to pitch the damn story. where... We know historically that has not been the case because the figures don't lie, um, and as we're, and we're seeing, you know, we, now I think what took me by surprise with this um, headline was it just seems to be because we're getting so many great films directed by women in the last couple of years that it feels like, yeah. oh yeah, man, we're seeing we're seeing more and more. Actually, in fact, maybe we're not, but the quality of films for the most part wonder woman 84 i'm looking at you (laughs) the quality of film for the most part is very good and you know nobody gets a pass regardless of who they are the film's good the film's good but it's it's having the opportunity like jb said and the historical that hasn't always been there
1: yeah i'd say let's uh let's give room for all these different ideas and stories to be told
0: that's right. And hopefully some of them come from uh, John's st- uh, students as well. because J- He's so. the greatest films teacher
1: out there. I do what I can, sir. I do what I can. Good man.
0: I was waiting for you to triumphantly say you're yeah, damn right I am. But John is a very humble chap as you, have, you haven't <laughs> worked out. So uh, moving on then to our next segment, which is media consumption. The movies, TV shows, streaming, video games, music, podcasts, which we don't steer. Uh, anything that we've used to pass the time in a pop culture sense since the last episode, we share it. So John, what the heck have you been checking out this week?
1: Well, blank check, uh, finished the Jane Campion series last week. So this week they did their version of the Bampies, I guess, you know, uh, give them their their awards uh, program. Um, And it's a long episode, of course Uh, they do it a little differently. They do basically like their top five for each category Mm -hmm. Um, we do that for our our best picture, but we don't do that for every category because I I feel like it gets a little long winded. And as behind much as the I love scenes,
0: the- we probably do it individually. But when for we come sure, to,
1: when we come to bat, it's this is the winner. And I don't dislike it, but I do get I kind of get lost. And at the end of their episode, I'm like I don't I don't know what their number their picks were <laughs> for any of the things because there's just so many things talked about, which is great because I like a lot of the movies, but. For me, I've I've seen most of the movies, so I'm not walking away with like, a, oh, I have a new watch list. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's one movie that I didn't see with Mia Watch Um, I think something Bergman Island, maybe. Um, that I had, I was, it wasn't even on my radar, but they mentioned it a few times. Um, and so now I want to watch that. Um, yeah, uh, Bergman Island is. That's it. Uh, Vicky Creeps new movie. Tim Roth is in it. Um. Directed by Mia Hansen Love, so that's a movie I need to watch, but I I literally wasn't even on my radar. Um, It's on Hulu, apparently, so that's going to be easy to watch, but uh, anywho, that was what I listened to as far as podcasts go. I didn't really dive too much into anything else. I did listen to the Slash Filmcast, which I don't often mention, but I did catch some movies. Um, We're prepping for our next astrology episode, which I think we might be able to record next week. I want to talk to you about that off mic. Um, Well, off air, I guess, because we... We can't talk off, Mike. You live far away. Um, (laughs) Night on Earth, though, is one from 1991. It's a Jim Jarmusch uh, film. Um, Have you seen this? Uh, No, I haven't. I want to. So I'm a big Jarmusch fan, and I actually have been meaning to kind of hit some of his more obscure ones harder to get. Uh, Night on Earth is on HBO Max because HBO Max is incredible. I don't understand how they have so much cool content. Um, I didn't know exactly what it was. I knew it was an anthology film, but it's five short films all set around taxi drivers, right? But uh, it's not just that. Um, it's also five different cities. One is LA, one is New York, one is Paris, one is Rome. And I believe the last one is Moscow. Um, and so those last three shorts are in different languages. So go in knowing you're going to need to be able to focus and read subtitles. Um, I thought that was a really cool element. Uh, LA is Winona Rider. So uh, excellent. You know, uh, if you're a Winona Ryder fan, cause this is 91. Mm-hmm. So young at her prime winona rider and then um my favorite one is new york though because it's Giancarlo esposito is uh he's not the cab driver but he ends up having to drive the cab which is nice. i won't say why it's just a really great but and rosie perez is also in it so like they're reprising they're uh they work together in don't um sorry spike lee's film that i all i know every other time i need it from 89 do the right thing um they're both in Do the Right Thing as well, which I thought was a cool kind of callback to uh to that movie, even though they're not playing the same characters. Giancarlo is being big crazy Giancarlo Esposito because he's nice such a great I love him in like everything. Um but Nine on Earth, interesting movie. It's not for everyone, but if you're if you're a Jarmouche fan, I definitely think it's worth checking out. Um I caught a horror film uh with Pat Healy, We Need to Do Something. Um dude, this, this movie's wild uh it it is it is very wild i i did like it um i don't know if i fully understood everything that it was doing but it's it's pretty crazy and it's a good example of like making a movie on a very small scale but making it impactful um i caught the adam project which i saw that you also uh watched yes sir i really liked it i'm a big ryan reynolds fan so i tend to if he's if he's doing his snarky banter thing, I'm probably going to enjoy the movie. That's just something that's true. Uh, I, I'm not saying that's for everybody, but for me, Ryan Reynolds' humor just clicks. I find him endlessly charming, and I thought hey, he was great here. But I also, Mark Ruffalo continues to impress me, and I think he gives a speech in this movie that was so incredible. It almost doesn't belong in this movie because this movie's a goofy, fun sci fi time travel thing, mm-hmm. and Ruffalo just delivers a crazy good monologue that like brought in the tears. I really enjoyed this movie. I don't think it's the, you know, we always say this. We don't think it's perfect. I don't think anything's perfect, but I I can understand why someone may not like this movie. But for me, it hit a lot of my, my checkpoints, especially again, Reynolds humor just works. Um, Caught JFK for the first time. Here we go. I really didn't think I was going to sit and enjoy that movie, especially I'm looking at the three hour runtime, like, Nope, Nope. And I'm not a huge Oliver stone fan. I'm starting to come around to like early Oliver stone stuff. I think I do like, I like platoon a lot. I have not seen wall street. Um, I know that's a, that's a big gap for me that I still need to see. I saw natural born killers when it came out, which I was far too young to see. I (laughs) I have not revisited it, uh, to know if I can handle it. I didn't like it as a kid. It freaked me out. It's probably supposed (laughs) to, um, I love the doors though, uh, which I did see much older. Um, and I always forget that's a stone film until just now, but uh, JFK was just a huge gap. Um, it's great. Uh, it's it's wild how much of it parallels with the world we're currently finding ourselves to be exactly, living in. Yes. Um, but uh, it's, it's really good. Kevin Costner is great in it. Although his accent definitely comes and goes like, he's <laughs> like, I'm, I'm from new Orleans and now I'm not. And now I am. And now I'm not. And it's like, all right. Okay. Um, but, uh there's everybody's in that movie too like there's just like w- crazy levels of cameos i was really shook to see uh gary oldman um playing <laughs> yeah. lee Harvey oswald he, play, and, he plays
0: everyone like like the meme said when at one point yeah you'll look in the mirror and realize you are in fact gary oldman or he's been playing yes, you the exactly. whole time yeah
1: but jfk definitely worth checking out listeners um for Movie Club, uh, we're covering the film Unpregnant, which was a 2021 film uh, with Haley Lou Richardson. Haley <laughs> Lou
0: Richardson, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, it's, it's, it's more of the comedic take on it. It's I, I mentioned Plan B two weeks ago, because we watched Plan B on Movie Club two weeks ago. They are almost identical plot structure-wise. Like They're both road trip movies set because a character needs to do something about being pregnant, um, whether it's getting a pill like the Plan B pill or getting an actual abortion. Um, there is a comedic tone to this, both films. That's not to say they're straight comedies. They would definitely fall into the dramedy uh, hybrid genre mm-hmm. because there's also real emotion, but it's um, the one cool thing though, while they're both, you know, two friends on the dynamic, the dynamic of the friendships are opposite. Uh, in plan B, the friends are like best friends through thick and thin. Um, and yet they still have like these kind of secrets that they've kept from each other, or this is, These two girls used to be friends, but because of the circumstances, they now find themselves needing each other. And so it's a rebonding, a rekindling of friendship, uh, which is different than plan B. So there is that like juxtaposition, but it's a really fun movie. I do think I like plan B a little more. But Unpregnant's definitely got some stuff. I think the road trip aspect gets a little more wild in Unpregnant, though. Like, it almost feels more like the movie Road Trip with some of the, like, like, wow, this is insane that this is happening. Uh, and fun side note, Breck and Meyer from Road Trip is in this movie. So, hey. Nice. Um, weird parallel that I didn't mean to, to throw in there, but I just remembered it as I was saying it. And then, uh, lastly, um, I can't say much about this technically, although by the time this drops, it actually will be off embargo. But I got to see *Deep Water* the new ben affleck and um yep. oh i forgot her last name all of a sudden and Anna, Anna day there, there it is i was like i know there's a day i can't remember the last part okay, uh, i don't know uh but <laughs> I, w- I won't say anything about it yet but it is dropping on hulu this week um so if you have hulu you can watch deep water uh there um but that's what i've been watching what about you matt um,
0: I didn't watch deep water though. I did get an email uh, asking if I wanted to watch it, but, um, I'd forgotten that was the Affleck day. i film as I said to JB off air. And I thought, Oh, what a cheap sounding name that what a generic sounding film. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to watch that. Then I realized uh, when John said, I was like, I checked my Gmail, my account. I was like, ah, <laughs> it's probably too late now. So I will check that out when it does drop. But, um, JFK uh, agreed with that. My friend will, I look forward to talking about that on, Astrology, uh, probably in the next few weeks, next month. Looking forward to that. I uh, I've uh, listened to uh, a Star Wars podcast called Force Center. It's been going on for a long old time now. Uh, Star Wars fans will know it as the uh, brainchild of Ken Napsock, Joseph Scrimshaw. Ken Napsock has been on the sessions, Star Wars sessions, which I do uh, two or three times now uh we consider him a friend of the show got a great got a great beard not i can, not unlike john book um but i've been listening to that especially with the news that the obi-wan kenobi trailer dropped on disney plus john you know what i think about it it, it doesn't take a rocket science to know that i was you know blown away by the track specifically the music uh what did you think of the obi-wan trailer because it's, you know, it's a big trailer drop this week
1: um i also liked it um I d- it definitely did more for me than the Boba Fett trailer. I f- the yeah. Boba Fett trailer left me feeling underwhelmed, which so did the series. The so series, yeah. if that follows, this made me very excited. So hopefully the series will also make me very excited. Um, there's been a lot of like information, like coming after the trailer too. Like we've heard about this character's not in it. Um, this character is, is in it or whatever. Um, I don't know, man. Like, uh, McGregor really hypes me up for the series. I was, uh, even from the get-go, I, despite having issues with the prequels still, yeah. I always have been like, Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan is like the best. I love him. He's so cool. Um, so I'm excited to get to see him back in this role and hope, I, I, I just, I still feel like they they can't get past the legacy stuff and that's what drives me crazy is I really do wish we could get some stories that don't involve the, the original trilogy characters. Um, I just think it mm-hmm. would be great.
0: Yep, i hear that my friend i think we'll get there one day but for now i think this this trailer felt blockbuster it felt cinematic it felt like an actual film trailer to me which isn't to demean disney plus but what we're getting in this series is big screen stuff and from what i know about it it's going to blow the doors off it's going to be a big deal this is but i enjoyed i also saw the miss marvel trailer today which i thought was pretty good
1: I also saw that, and I also thought uh, it looks pretty good. I'm excited for it.
0: Yeah, pretty good. The Moon Knight stuffs do is exciting me because oh yeah. Whilst I haven't looked, you know, I haven't seen Loki. What if or the other one, Hawkeye? I really don't want to watch Hawkeye, but only for Haley and Florence. That's literally them. The talents they possess. But Moon Knight, Oscar Isaac, Ethan Hawke. That's that's good enough for me. I don't I don't I don't care anything else. That's good enough for me to watch to to sit down. I think March 30th, or whatever, whenever it drops, and watch all of it just for those two. The power of casting.
1: And I've heard that uh, you do not need to be up on all of Marvel to watch Moon Knight. <laughs> it, it's, it's supposed to be kind of its own thing.
0: And I do want and again. You know, guys, I, I do. I will, will watch the Marvel. Series. I will watch them. It's not because I don't like Marvel, but I have to sometimes I watch the films, but I have to force myself to watch the series, even though I, I know they're integral. So I will watch them. But uh, yeah, Moon Knight is more down to the casting plus character seems a bit more mysterious to me and kind of seems like mm-hmm. it brings a bit more to the table than, say a hey, Hawkeye um, back to it uh, Star Wars Rebels I've been watching that all weekend because uh, re-watching so I've watched it before but it's on Disney Plus and I was working from working this weekend work from home so I needed something to maintain me whilst I was busy typing away so Star Wars Rebels peak Star Wars at times some of the best Star Wars storytelling uh, and, uh, and this isn't aimed at John Burke but I've seen a lot of people out there saying, you know, it's a cartoon, it's animation, it's dispensable. No. So you, you look at someone like Boba Fett, hey, look, it's a lot of fun. Star Wars Rebels blows that out of the water, obliterate, it disintegrates what they did to the book of Boba Fett. For characters, family, storytelling, huge moments, canon building, lore, it's all there. It, you know, the first five or six episodes, get past them, the rest of it, top tier. Um am talking about Boba Fett. I Robert Rodriguez was show running that. He got some flack from lots of people, me included, and John, for his handling of Star Wars. So I went back to his latest cinematic release, *Alita: Battle Angel*, to remind myself that you know what, Bobby Rod, he's good when you know when he's on form, when he's got his when he's got his hands on something which works. It's good, *Alita: Battle Angel*. I remember we were both surprised at how much we enjoyed that when it came out. Our bank review was testament to that. That's how long we've been going. Uh, but sorry, *Alita: Battle Angel*, good fun. *Event Horizon* rewatch that i picked that up on physical this week for um about a pound a buck 50 um and it's the blu-ray special edition i was like yep i've never seen that before you're you're coming home with me and i rewatched that and i I think even horizon is i think it's great i think it's sorely underrated and i know um You've got, uh, what's his name? Uh, Millie Jovovich's husband, we'll call him, in the director's chair. But I think this is his best film for me. And I think Sam Neill's great. Larry Fishburne is great. Everyone is really good. It's chilling. It's dark. It's, de- gr- it's grimy. The director's cut, the which is lost forever, lost to the sands of time, would have been an absolute kind of um, HP Lovecraftian trip through the senses. But I think Event Horizon, some dodgy CGI aside, is a really, really... Decent romp, um, and I also saw the Adam Project as well, uh, dropped on Netflix uh, same day around the world, and yeah, I thought this film was decent. I thought it was pretty good. I didn't, I didn't love it, but I thought it was pretty good. I, th- I loved the the clear, like, ambling '80s vibes. I know so many films go for that nowadays, but when they get it right, which I think the Adam Project did, it works. And I think it's kind of similar to like how Super Eight did a few years back. And you know, when they get right. the vibe right, it just works. Ryan Reynolds is good. I think he's really good in this film. Actually, I think he's very good because he's Ryan Reynolds to a point, but at the same time, he's also, you know, he's a bit more of a dramatic turn to his role here. I actually think the, the little dude, the dude who played Adam, the little guy, I think he was fantastic. I really think he was great. And we've had, issues sometimes with kid performers, but I thought he was one of the best parts of the film period. Now, how he captured uh, elements of, let's just say one of the other members of the cast, i think he did that really well i do, i you know i just thought the antagonists were a bit you know they weren't great uh, and that pulled me out a little bit but i think the adam project was a decent mm. return for a netflix film for a studio which we've maligned over the years sometimes for being a bit generic at times you know the adam project doesn't you know it's not anything highly original however you know if you're going to take something which has been done before at least do it well. and I think the guys in the team over there did a good job. So um, the Adam project seems to have got a thumbs up from the both of us. Uh, That aside though, my friend, that is because I was working this weekend and we have much spare time. When I did, I was knackered. Uh, I didn't really get to watch as much or indulge in as much as I would have wanted to though, you know, three seasons and a half of an animated series is quite a (laughs) big undertaking. Next up will be maybe Loki. uh, But Moon Knight, I will be watching that when it comes out, so that's gotta count for something, surely.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not?
0: Yeah. He says that through gritted teeth, but um that is the that is a show then. That is a bloody awesome movie <laughs> podcast, but those first two words, they hold some sway. Bloody awesome. We have to stay bloody awesome in order to uh keep providing this fabulous content for you guys. So each week we've gotta come up with new ways, some weird, some some serious, some Well, I'm not sure where that came from, but here it is. But what have you been doing this week to stay bloody awesome, JB?
1: I got to celebrate with my yearbook staff uh, our success. Last week we completed uh, the yearbook. And so uh, tradition before COVID was that we would have a pizza party. Um, So we only meet three days a week um, for each class, basically. So uh, this week is what we're doing. So Monday we had pizza and I, I get like chips and cookies and sodas and stuff for them too. And we watch a movie. Uh, we are watching Three Identical Strangers, which is a cool, like, um, I try to either, the movie has to be high school related or journalism related. Um, so Three Identical Strangers is a documentary that has a lot of journalistic practice in it, um, as they have to do a lot of investigative reporting in order to get a lot of the information. Um, and uh, we ended at a rough point um, with the movie, like, where a big reveal about one of the characters, well, he's not a character, one of the people uh, the, the A tragedy has occurred. They just basically found out. It was like, all right, see you later. Um, so bad timing in that regard. But um, so we, we ordered a bunch of pizza. And um, w- tomorrow we will finish the movie. And also, like, still we have a lot of chips and stuff left over. So they can still snack on that stuff. Uh, and then Friday we just start to, like, recap the year and start looking towards next year. It's very much uh, Santa Claus and, and Elf where I'm like, all right we're done time to start again. Like we got to start planning for next year's yearbook. Um, but this one's special because I started this tradition when I, my first year, which has now been 10 years, I've been the yearbook advisor and uh, the last two have were interrupted. In fact, exactly two years ago, Matt, I had gone home on a Friday with the, uh, school credit card to go and buy the, the cookies <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. And by luck, I hadn't bought them yet when I got the phone call from my school saying, you're not coming back for at least two weeks. So I'm like, oh, good thing I didn't go and buy all the cookies because they would have just been sitting in my house. And guess who would have had to eat well, those cookies? shame that would have been. <laughs> but then we never went back to school. So not only was the party delayed, it was outright canceled. And that staff who worked really hard, they didn't even get to celebrate that we finished the yearbook. And then last year half of my students never were in my physical classroom. They were online. Um, so we didn't have a party last year because there was like, I had 20 kids in yearbook and 10 of them were not in the room. So it, w- it felt wrong to like have a party. So we just didn't. So this is the first year um, in, in two that we're back. And it just kind of, I know we aren't out of COVID yet. I'm not one of those people who think that it's just gone. Uh, but it is it is nice having something that feels like before COVID times happening and it feeling like that, you know, like sitting in the room with them, Mm -hmm. uh, celebrating them, uh, you know, getting to have this, this, this treat, um, as we celebrate an achievement, you know, this is our first yearbook, uh, where everyone was back on campus after COVID. So it was a big, it was a lot of learning, a lot of opportunity. And so, uh, it's, it's a reminder of like the, the before times when things felt good, uh, even though if they weren't, they felt good. Um, and, uh, it's and nice to, to have that and pizza. Yeah. Yes. Uh, also, I don't know if you have little Caesars over there, Matt. Uh, uh, I, I think
0: I actually looked before and I think there are, there are some dotted around the country, but it's not a, so, uh, we have most of, we have pretty much all the other ones, but it's yeah. not little Caesars.
1: And they're not like I like a Little Caesars pizza. I think they're better than some of the more expensive ones. But the the reason you get Little Caesars is because you want a lot. Like it's like yeah. basically five bucks a pizza, so you can get several pizzas for several students at a, at the most reasonable price, right? But I had to. I have not had a Little Caesars in a while, but I had to order the Bat Zoni. Uh, if you are not familiar with this, Matts they they devise this weird pizza. You might want to Google this um, Little Caesars Bat Zone. Uh, it's a it's a pizza that they take and make it look more like the bat symbol by turning part of it into calzones. So it's both a calzone and a pizza. Let's have a look. And I had to try it. I've wanted to try it, but I haven't wanted to go. But since I was having the pizzas brought, I was like, I'm going to get myself one of those. Um, I only ate. The calzone part was delicious. I actually, oddly, the pizza part, because of how they have to cut it, it just didn't hold up well. Like it didn't tastes as good as their normal slices of pizza. Um, but the calzone part I enjoyed very much. I um, mm. was happy to finally try that. Um, but I, again, uh, you know, that was how I stayed bloody awesome this week, celebrating with my yearbook staff. Uh, I need to know about you, Matt, what did you do to stay bloody awesome?
0: i need to move to the states and have this annual pizza party dude that looks superb um mine is slightly more low-key but the and, it, and and kind of ties into the one what i mentioned up top in you know where did that come from mine is simply hydration i am uh, well I, in the tip stay bloody awesome i am bloody awful at you know keeping hydrated which might sound a bit like oh how's that cool trust me all i drink most days is tea or coffee uh the occasional fruit juice um And that's it. Maybe, you know, I I cut down on fizzies and whatnot for the most part. But I never drink water because I think, well, if I drink a lot of water, I've got to go to the toilet every hour or whatever with a hardship. But I don't want to keep getting up and go to the toilet. That's where laziness comes in. Um, And also sometimes I think it doesn't really taste of anything. I don't want to have something that tastes of something, even though tea is just brown water, sad brown water at times. So I've spent the last week pretty much just drinking other than, uh a pepsi earlier on and obviously tea and that still but i've been drinking so much more water and i feel genuinely so much better for it people say oh you know it 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 makes you more coherent you know cognitively it it, it can make you feel more awake more alive more refreshed you sleep better you feel more you feel healthier and i you know sometimes i think oh uh, do i because my body's water mainly and i still don't feel any of that But drinking so much more water, dude, I genuinely feel so much better to the point where I I think it was, I don't know, because it was, I worked, you know, it's not a hardship. A lot of people do much more, but I think I worked seven days straight this week. And by Thursday, like the fourth day, I did feel bloody awesome because all I was doing was drinking water. I was waking up feeling better. And I'm like, you know, I could get used to this. Yeah, I'm going to the toilet five times more often, but I can get used to this. Now I just need to get back to my diet and gym exercise and, you know, we'll get there. But, um little changes my friend little changes uh, i haven't necessarily cut anything out as such it's just bringing more in and uh, i'm telling you man this water lock is great isn't it
1: <laughs> yeah you know um i it's i was shocked to hear you say that you didn't drink water um i i do drink a lot of coffee uh, i don't dive into tea and i honestly the last six months i have found myself drinking a lot more soda than i was like i'd pretty much cut soda out of my life for a yeah. while. Um, I only drink diet soda, which I know people, are, Oh, it's a, there's a lot of myth to the diet soda thing. Um, but, uh, and I do, I do an, uh, at least one energy drink a day usually, uh, especially if I'm working out, but, um, I do, I, I actively carry like a refillable bottle of water and we have those water filling stations. So I try, I think I'm hydrated. Maybe I'm not, I try to stay hydrated though. And, uh, speaking of, I am I am bursting right now, so we should uh start to wrap up because the bloody awesome is ready to, to exude itself.
0: John Burke's so hydrated, he's about to burst. Who knows where from? Um so yeah, let's call it let's call it a day on the non-spoiler review then of Turning Red. Next week we're gonna be coming at you with a a non-spoiler and a spoiler review of X, the new A24 film, which is getting absolutely rave reviews. Question is Oh, will is they it? Rave, it is will they get rave reviews from john and myself you'll find out next week tune in to the bloody awesome movie podcast if you want to hear from us online and find as you can do head on over to twitter uh to at BAMP underscore podcast b-a-m-p underscore podcast john instagram we are where
1: we are at bloody awesome
0: movie pod should probably stop saying we around John because he needs one. Facebook or Meta. <laughs> Bloody awesome movie podcast. What I watched tonight across all the socials and letterbox. If you want to uh, find me specifically, and if you want to find John, where can they?
1: I am at burkreviews.com and at burkreviews on all the other social media platforms.
0: Uh, and as we mentioned up top, a five-star rating or review on the podcast provider choice would be so, so well appreciated. We can't tell you how much we would appreciate it and we would be honored and we would, we would sp- spread our love to you. Uh, if you would just drop a five-star rating review, if you've enjoyed what you've heard. So please do consider that if you have a spare 30 seconds in your busy lives. Uh, however, with that, as always guys, stay bloody awesome and keep watching movies. Blood, blood,